welcome to the Last Looks podcast, a show where we catch up with talented hairstylists and makeup artists in the film and television industry. We'll pick their super creative brains and find out all the good stuff. Join me, your host, Jamie Lee, in finding out what's what in the hair and makeup departments around the world. And now, a word from our sponsor. Calling all hairstylists and makeup artists. Would you like to have a strong wig knowledge? A solid foundation to build your wig styling skills on? Would you like to gain the respect of your cast colleagues and employers when it comes to wig work? And feel more confident in knowing how to handle, style, and apply wigs? Well, do we have a treat for you. Introducing Last Looks Workshops. Come down to Beverly Hills and join Jamie Lee and Rob Pickens in the Last Looks Workshops experience. Spaces are limited, so be sure not to dilly-dally. For more details, visit lastlooksworkshops.com. And now, our feature presentation. Today on the Last Looks podcast, I'm speaking with hair designer Shanika Terry. Shanika was happily spending her days creating fabulous hairstyles for her salon clientele in Texas when she was offered a job opportunity that changed her career path and now has her designing hair for projects like Atlanta, Mayor of Easttown and Bad Boys for Life. Pictures up. Last looks. Rolling. And action. Welcome to the Last Looks Podcast, Shanika. Hi, thank you. Thank you for having me. Of course. Now, I would like you to finish this sentence for me, okay? Okay. Once upon a time, there was a girl named Shanika, and when she grew up, she wanted to be... A private investigator. (laughs) You did? That's really exciting. (laughs) Yeah, I did. I did. (laughs) Yeah, I was in love with Magnum P.I., Oh, oh yeah. Tom Selleck was everything to me and I wanted to do everything Tom Selleck did. <laughs> Miami Vice, you name it. <laughs> I was that child that was just like solving crime and <laughs> just fascinated with it. Research, all of that. I loved it. That's so cool. So I just, it's so funny that you would watch things like that and understand, I guess that it's a job. Yeah. And that you could do it. So that's really cool. Yeah. What an imagination as well. I mean, you totally can be a private investigator. <laughs> it seems like such a um, strange job for a child to want to do, but you must have had a sense of adventure for sure. Oh, definitely. I was always getting in trouble for disappearing. <laughs> and my family was like, where were you? I'm like, oh, I'm just playing in the woods, me and my friends, you know, just doing things, building stuff. <laughs> out in the wilderness and my like I thank God that we were in a safe area and you know nothing happened but I definitely had an imagination that was very clear and if anyone needed to find something they would go to me and yeah I was always just kind of they called me Snoopy that was like a nickname that my family had for me because I was always snooping around finding stuff that's classic. So were you finding presents that had been hidden, hidden away in the house before oh. it was time to open them? Or Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I knew how to <laughs> remain mute. I would just be quiet and they, they wouldn't know a thing. And I knew what everybody, what everyone was getting. <laughs> uh, I was that child. I was that one. 
Yeah, I was that child too. Um, but I, I did some really great acting when I would open my presents. I'd be like, wow, this is so amazing. But I would have already maybe found it like in mum's wardrobe or something. And yeah, so naughty. Yeah. Anyway, um, I told her years later and she was like, oh my goodness. <laughs> She's like, I had no idea. And oh yeah. Like, my best acting yet. Yes, I love it. I love it. Absolutely. So how do we get from private investigator to hairstylist? Oh my gosh. It just, it was just one of those things that came naturally. It's crazy. I found a photo that um, my mom had and it's me playing with my grandfather's hair, adding bows to his Mm -hmm. hair. And then Mm -hmm. I, I guess, you know, the, the fascination with hair started really like when I was five years old, four years old. And then I just like vaguely remember just loving to take lotion and just rubbing it all over. I had, um, <laughs> this sounds crazy, an aunt with hairy legs. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and I would just, you know, slather lotion on her legs and just, you know, my little hands would just like create um, all like little patterns on her with the hair on her legs. It was like very soft, fine mm-hmm. hair. But I just remember like just taking my hands and just creating these pa- uh, patterns on her, on her legs with lotion. And, you know, I just didn't realize it until my old age that I was always fascinated with hair. So I believe that was yeah. just something that just, you know, naturally developed. And when I was in high school, we had a, a vocational program um, for hairstylists. So I was able to graduate high school with my cosmetologist license. So, oh, cool. yeah, so it was just that thing that, you know, just over time, just wanted to to create hairstyles that I looked in magazines and I was like, oh, I, I like that. And I would create it on myself and my friends and it just kind of like naturally happened. That's very cool. Yeah. So did you work in salons and stuff? Yeah, so when I graduated um, high school, I went off to college for a short amount of time, I didn't finish, but I, within that year I was there, my freshman year, I turned my dorm into a salon. Yeah. <laughs> and I was taking clients. And of course, you know, I was going to my classes and everything. And there was like certain ones I would miss. I'm like, eh, I'm not interested in that, but I will always go to my anatomy and histology class. Love science. So I would just like build my clientele like around my schedule. And before I knew it, I had like a lot of the students would come to me and also their, they will, their, their mother will love their hair so much. They're like, I want to go to this girl too. And so before you knew it, I had like my girlfriend's mother is coming to me. And uh, before I knew it, I was just calling my mom, my parents. And I was like, look, I don't want to waste any money. I think it's time for me to go ahead and work in a salon. Mm. <laughs> you know, only, you know, for later for me to, you know, pick up more courses for college. But at that time, when I graduated, went off to college and yeah, I just kicked off and then left and went to work in a salon. And that was like around 1990. Uh, 1998 when I worked in my first salon. That's awesome. When you said you had, you know, you came out of high school with your cosmetology license and then you went to college, I was just like, what for? (laughs) (laughs) But I know it's such a, it's such a, you know, it's a, it's in the blood in America to to go off to college. So, I mean, but awesome because it helped you really figure out what you wanted to do. I mean, you know, you're turning your dorm into a salon then it's kind of obvious yeah, what absolutely. direction you absolutely. want to go in 
Yeah, my parents, they were the ones that were like, oh my gosh, no. Okay, we understand you have your license. I'm like, yeah, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to work at the salon. Like, you know, there's always that one salon in the neighborhood that are in town that you just look at it like, oh my gosh, I, I can't wait to work there. Or, you know, you can see your part yourself yeah. being a part of that team. And I was ready, but mm-hmm. my, my parents were like, look, you're going to work all of your life. Why go and work right now? Go to school. I'm like, okay, I can do that. And before I knew it, my focus was still on what I wanted to do. And I had the credentials. I had the um, certificate for me to, I was, I was certified cosmetologist. So it wasn't just like a braider or a hairstylist or anything like that. It was the full on. If I wanted to be an esthetician, I could. If I wanted to do nails, I could. Mm. So it was just whatever I wanted to do in the beauty industry, I could go for it. So I, you know, pleased my parents and did it for one year. <laughs> and I was like, okay, yeah, let's, you know, let's just, you know, move on and step into what I really want to do and desire to do. Yeah. And I mean, there must have been a large part of you that didn't really feel like it was work either. Oh, do you know no, what I mean? Absolutely not. It was so, creating. You're like, but this is fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was creating. Absolutely. So where was all this happening? Where did you grow up and go to college and, and where was the first salon that you worked in? I, I grew up in Dallas, Texas, and I went to a university of North Texas and, you know, from there, there um, when I left uh, UNT, there was a salon in Arlington, Texas. It was called London. I fell in love with that place because the lady that did my hair for prom, I just thought she was just the most amazing hairstylist. Her name was Nicole. Never forget it. And and she was just so pretty to me. And she just, just I just loved her. And she was just such a great mother. And she, I just I felt like she just had it, you know, all. And then also to the owner of the salon, they were as a husband and wife. So it was a salon on one side for um, hairstyling for women, the women's part. And then there was the, a barber shop on the other side. So there was a glass petition in the middle. So the hairstylists were on the one side and then the barbers were on the other. That's cool. And I would sit there and just watch both sides work. When I was in high school, while I was getting my mm-hmm. training and everything um, to go to uh, state board and all of that. So I remember I was like, oh, you know what? I want to work here when I, you know, get my license. And I never forget it. So I went mm-hmm. there. I spoke to the um, salon owner and I was like, hey, I want to be a part of your team. She's like, okay, great. You do? All righty. Get your model. She grabbed me a model from like off the street and she gave me everything that I needed to do. And she's like, go for it. And at that point, I was like nervous. I was like, okay, let's go for it. And she's <laughs> she put me to the test right on the spot. And she was like, okay, great. You got a job. Come on. You start tomorrow. And from that point, from working at that salon, it just opened my eyes to so much from what beauty school taught me because I was in the room, you know, pretty much the youngest in the room of all of these veterans that were like master barbers and hairstylists and all of this other stuff. So I was just like, oh my mm. gosh, I was in Wonderland just learning as much as I could before I knew it, you know, I just got stronger and more confident in my work with, you know, having those people that were in my life as mentors. Yeah, that's very cool. I love how she just kind of <laughs> threw yeah, you into it. Yeah, it's just like, here, swim. <laughs> I'm like, okay, oh gosh, how deep is this water? 
<laughs> it's one way to figure out if um, someone really wants to work in the salon. It's just like, yeah, all right, let's do it then. Come on. Come on, let's go. That's very cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so where where does your where does your path lead? Like how how do you end up getting into film and television? Really it it kinda reached out and grabbed me. <laughs> and uh, fell into my lap. It was it's very it's a very you know unique story. I'm sure it's a lot of people in the industry who has you know this story. Like I said, being raised in Dallas and now I'm working in a salon, it's been a couple mm. of years and I've built relationships with photographers and makeup artists and other hairstylists. And when we were with meeting this these, you know, different artists in the in the area, one makeup artist had the opportunity to to work on a, a movie. It was an independent film in Austin, Texas called Kings mm. of the Evening. And um she got a call from a producer because it was a friend of hers and he asked her to do like hair and makeup. And so she reached out to me and she's like, hey, so I have this movie. Would you like to do it? It has like Lynn Whitfield, Tyson Beckford, um, Glenn Turman, like all of these, like it's like a great, like all-star black cast and um, Bruce McGill was in it. It was just a lot of great people. Mm-hmm. And so she asked me if I would like to do the movie with her. And I was like, sure, I'll do it. From there, I, I remember, <laughs> I was like, so when does it start? Now, mind you, she called me like on a Monday. She said, like, oh, we have to be in, mm. in, in Austin on Saturday <laughs> to load in the trailer. Now, mind you, when I got the call, I had a very huge clientele. So, mm. of course, and I didn't want to miss that opportunity. So I just took like all of my clients that were on the books and spread them out amongst all of the hairstylists that were in the salon. And I was like, yeah. hey, can you please do this? Told my clients, I'm like, mm, I'll see you in a month and a half. <laughs> mm-hmm. I have to go away. And they're like, what? I'm like, it's okay. I'll be back. So to make a long story short, I crammed in all the information that I could. It was uh, during the Great Depression. The movie was set in, during the, the Great Depression. And it was, um, like I said, a predominantly Black cast and what mm-hmm. I did was I took off a day, went to the library, and looked up everything that I could about that era, what everyone looked yeah. like, and all of that stuff. So I just researched all day long, and I realized that in the past, I had um, went to a course at Dudley University, mm-hmm. which is in North Carolina, and, and one of the uh, courses was Marcel Ironing. Now, mind you, mm-hmm. I was in the salon. So I learned this amazing technique that none of the my clients wanted. They were like, oh my gosh, it's so yeah. pretty. But I mean, who's walking around in 2008, 2009 with Marcel waves, you know? And yeah. it was not the thing, okay? And I was like, oh my gosh, but it's like, I was so fascinated and I loved it, but no one wanted it. So fast forward to the movie, it was said, you know, during this time and all of these hairstyles called for that technique that I learned. So I was like, oh my gosh, I'm able to, you know, to do this stuff on this movie. So, you know, just moving forward, like on, on that, that's when the introduction of the film world, you know, I was introduced to the film world at that time. And I didn't yeah. think that it was anything that I could touch, I could reach. You know, in my mind, Mm. I was a hairstylist in the salon that had dreams of 
owning her own salon, being an educator, coming up with some products and doing X, Y, Z, which still may be on the horizon for me. But at that moment, mm. I, you know, the film industry was not, I didn't think it was anything that I could reach, I could touch. No, it's funny. And I, I don't know if in, a lot of people just don't even consider it as an option, I don't think. I mean, maybe more so now because it's a little bit more, the behind the scenes is a little more open than mm-hmm. what it used to be. But yeah, I mean, and it sounds like, I mean, this opportunity came your way and you just grabbed it. Like grabbed it, the, grabbed. the fact that you had to move all your clients, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> like some people would have just been like, Mm-mm, that's too much trouble. I can't be bothered with that. I just don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. And then your first film, not only like it's your first job in the film industry ever, but it's a period. It's piece. A period so piece. that's, yeah that's another challenge on top of everything oh else God. so but you know you took the right steps going and you know, doing your research and yeah it's awesome and it worked and it's actually to me like one of the most beautiful movies that I've done to be my very first oh, one so cool and I remember the uh I never touched a wig and the producers and directors like we hate wigs we don't want wigs we want it to be real we want xyz I was like okay cool and I'll never forget it. The young lady that was the lead actress, she was part Brazilian and African American. Mm-hmm. So she had very, 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 very tight, like coily, curly hair. And I was like, mm. okay, now we have to press this out, do thermal ironing on her, and create this look mm. that looks true and authentic. And when I tell you, oh my gosh, it was to me just absolutely beautiful. And thankfully she was a trooper. I was able to, you know, implement, you know, my experience from the salon to attach it to what I learned in that class, to put it together and create this character for film. And that red, so beautiful. And I was just like, wow, just, just, I couldn't believe it. So yeah, just I kind of like hit the hit the ground running, and not only was I the like the hairstylist, I was the department head, the key, and the third. <laughs> yeah. I did everyone. <laughs> you were it, baby. Yeah, I was in it. I didn't know anything about help. I was like, oh, okay. I have who to do. Okay, no problem. I got it. Oh yeah, that's probably one of the that's hardest, awesome. probably the one of the the hardest project that I've ever worked on, but the most rewarding. <laughs> yeah and it sounds like you look back on it fondly so that's that's awesome yeah. um and proud of your work still I mean I know a lot of people who their first job they're like oh my god don't look at it <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's really cool yes that's awesome so the makeup artist who brought you on to that had she done a lot of stuff before or no. was it quite new to her as well that was new to her as well Bridget you know bless her <laughs> she's an amazing makeup yeah. artist you know but more so print and fashion you know she's like print and fashion world so when we're both in it we yeah. were like you know the blind leading the blind and that was her first you know movie as well she didn't pursue the industry afterwards she was like okay no leave me to the freelance world <laughs> she was like ah that's great and everything yeah she's she like there is much. no glamour in that no oh no oh no 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 she's like this is not my thing however <laughs> just leave me in the fashion world <laughs> I, i'm okay <laughs> 
So, and for me, I was like, oh my gosh. Did you well, see it's this? good that she worked it out. Oh yeah, she worked it out. She's amazing. Has a yeah. makeup studio. Uh, she's doing well in Dallas. So, you know, kudos to her. <laughs> and I'm like very thankful yeah. for her asking me to do this because honestly, I don't know if I would be in this industry, you know, without that call from her and the lead actress, Lynn Whitfield, seeing the ambition in me and the talent in me. And she was like, you know what? I'm taking you on as my personal for my next movie. And there it goes. Oh, that's so cool. I was going to ask you, how does it progress from there? Like when, when and how do you get your next job? So that's amazing. Yeah. So that's, you know, exactly what happened. The lead actress, she was just impressed and she seen a haircut that I did for a friend on the movie. And it was mm. a bob. Like, a, you know, that's when Rihanna had came out with Umbrella. That was the, the song of the year, mm-hmm. Umbrella. <laughs> <laughs> and Rihanna was rocking this really nice bob. And my friend wanted it. And mm. she was like, I'm going to perform. So can you do this haircut for me? And did it. And everybody loved it. And Lynn was like, you know what? You can really cut. Do you want to you be with me on my next movie? I'm like, Sure great, I will. You know, at that time I was non-union and the project that I went to work with her on was a non-union project. Well, no, no, no. It was a union project, but I was non-union. So I got taken advantage of a little bit on that end. However, it was the best development for me. So I don't look at it as, you know, being taken advantage of. It's like we learn as we go. And I was able yeah. to meet a lot of people from LA that were a part of 706 on that project. And it was, you know, a little bit tough one because sometimes people are not, what can I say, that kind to people that are not in a union yet. And, right. you know, but as a reminder, you know, we all have to start from somewhere. And with that being said, is that I was open to to learn and ask questions. I went in with no ego. It was mm. just like that moment of I knew that it was an opportunity that God had presented and opened the door for. And I just was like, you know what, let's go with it. Because don't worry about what you're making. The money will come later in life the experience is more than anything, more than money buy. Yeah. And I mean, it was like your second job. Yeah. It was my second. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, exactly. <laughs> Baby steps. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it was totally okay. And you haven't really looked back, have you? Have not looked back. I remember shortly <laughs> after that, because I was like, oh, wow. Now I bit the forbidden fruit, you know, <laughs> but the fruit and I was like, oh gosh, mm-hmm. this is great. And I ended that project and went back home to Dallas. And at that moment, I realized that there was an area with my skills that I wasn't strong in, which was working with European hair, Caucasian hair. Mm -hmm. And so when I ended that project, it was a mission for me to conquer and learn and be super confident in different textures of hair. So when I went back home, I still worked in a salon. This was all within a year. 
Um, went back to the salon because I needed to make money to sustain my life, you know, <laughs> my livelihood. But I went to work at Tony and Guy. And oh, cool. yeah, I went to work for uh, Tony and Guy within a year. And now mind you, when I was in the salon before stepping into the film world, I took some cutting courses at Tony and Guy and loved it. And some color courses, loved it. But more so, I loved the cutting aspect of it. However, when I took those, the skill that I learned back to the salon, none of my clients wanted to cut their hair. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I have like <laughs> skill to do all of this stuff and no one wants to cut their hair. So fast forward, when I went to work with Lynn as a personal, finished that movie up for the movie Mama Want to Sing, I left and oh gosh, now that's some parts of that movie that I, I, I cringe at. <laughs> <laughs> We've all got them. Yo, don't worry. Like, I, I, I was like, like a couple scenes, and it's like where I learned how to use hot hairspray because I never used hairspray in a salon. So I was like, oh, this is aerogel. This is what this does. And I'm like, oh my gosh, my hair is stiff as a board. What did I just do? <laughs> it's so stiff. Oh God, this is not great. But um, anyway, <laughs> going back to um, when I went back home and I worked in the salon, to, like I said, to make money to sustain my livelihood, I decided to go full on and work with Tony and Guy. And that's where I developed the strength and also to be confident in working with more straighter hair from round brushing to cutting to all, all of this stuff product knowledge and all of that. Being there at that salon, it really, really helped develop my skills. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, are your clientele from your salon must have been, how did, how did they take changing direction, leaving the salon? They're like, don't, don't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They were really supportive. But then also mm. it was that thing of, so um, when are you coming back? Will you, um, yeah. um, will we see you this weekend? And so what was happening for me, the transition out of the salon into going a hundred percent to the film world is that I moved from Dallas to Louisiana. And at that time, Louisiana, okay. New Orleans and Shreveport were pretty hot at the moment for like doing a lot of film and television. And I moved there to work on a movie, which was my first big movie for my career. It was a spoof. (laughs) It was a spoof called, uh, was it a disaster movie? And so it, oh yeah, oh my gosh. And I was under the supervision of Gary Perdicone, the 706 and Roxanne Ferguson, bless her soul. She's not here anymore. And I was the third on the show. And that's when my eyes were like totally open to what they built, you know, sound stages out there in some of the warehouses. And to me, that was huge. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm at a studio. <laughs> yeah. I was working with, and, and they had like the world of wigs because of course, when you're doing a spoof, it's all a lot of, mm. you know, we're recreating these looks for like Iron Man and Juno and all of these other different movies that were happening at the time. And the land of creativity was just like burst open. And I was like, oh my God, I like this. Now, in the meantime, with me being on the um, uh, sister state of Texas and you have Louisiana, on the weekends, I was Mm -hmm. able to go home and take care of a few clients. Well, guess Oh my goodness. Exactly. (laughs) You see where this story is going, right? 
someone is very exhausted now. <laughs> yeah. Super exhausted. So you'd made like a clean break, like leaving, like, okay, I'm leaving town. And then you're like, I was going back in the weekend. Yeah. It's like, no. Right. The Like, why would I do like a two and a half hour drive back to Dallas, take care of some people, drive back home and then, you know, mm-hmm. kick it off. So at that moment, but you know, that's what happens when you're in your twenties, you got a little bit of, you know, energy to do that. It didn't last for long. And so I had to write a letter and email and I did like a special event for my clients of handing them off to other people and just told them I I thank you. But I had to make a choice. It's because, you know, I had to, I had to make a choice. And at that moment I was like, you know what, I'm going to step out on faith and take this film and television journey and say goodbye to the salon world. Because at that time, I was in a salon for 10, 11 years. So there was a change and something needed to happen. Yeah. And so it evolved into this. Yeah. I mean, it's a scary, it's a scary stage. Yeah. Yeah. It it's a scary stage because it's it's just like you, you're going from a really consistent, steady job mm-hmm. in the salon to something that you're just like, okay, I know I've got this film job from this date to this date, but then what happens after that? And you just are always thinking, I need something to be able to fall back onto. Mm -hmm. So it's completely understandable to kind of want to keep your hand over with those clients as well. But also letting them go kind of forces you into, okay, well, I'm going to have to make this film thing work and I'm going to have to hustle and get another job. (laughs) Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, I'm just super thankful to have to work with people that were looking for help and and Mm -hmm. become a word of mouth to other department heads and keys in the industry that we're looking for a good third or good day players. And, you know, I just wanted to do my best and I did and, you know, very, you know, quietly. And before you know it, one thing led to the next and, you know, working strong as a, a third and then being promoted to being a key and learning, you know, as as much as I could from amazing department heads and leaders and, you know, they, they, they became my mentors and, you know, that just, you know, prepared me for the department head world. So I was just very, very thankful. It's yeah. kind of like, I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's good to take that route of kind of just making your way up the ladder, even though your first job, it was just you and you were doing it all. Obviously the size of the project, you know, it was okay to do that, but the bigger the project, I mean, could you imagine if you'd been thrown onto something as big as the Matrix when you had didn't have all oh, that shoot. experience behind you? Oh. Like you'd be like, "Oh my God, what am I doing?" Yeah. <laughs> See. Oh, okay. Exactly. Because the thing is, is like, okay, let's take that picture that you just painted, right? From like the first project that I did. With I mean, it's an insane picture. Yeah, it is insane. But, you know, it's like you have to paint it because some people don't know, you know. And they think like, oh, I could do hair and I could do this. And there's like, oh, no, there's a thing called schedule. There's a thing called time. There's a thing called, you know, all, you know. So it's like all of those things because, of course, on the independent it was tough because every, everyone is like in a period look, you know, all of that. And it took time to where 
there were so many rules that were broken. Like I'm staying in the same hotel with my cast and I'm like, oh, okay, on Sunday or Saturday, come over here, let me prep your hair. I, like I'm working every day, doing something every day, right? Just to get the look and everything done. Right. But it's not, mm-hmm. you know, you couldn't take a seasoned person that knows how it goes and accept that. But when you have someone that's like, okay, mm-hmm. let's just get it done because you're just, you know, the momentum is running and if you see it and this and the other and you just don't know the, I guess, the proper protocols, you know, per se. And production, you know, they're not yeah. looking at it like that. They're like, you know, we're just going to gorilla style do this, you know, for crew and cast and all this other stuff. But yeah. to take that and it's just like in the Matrix world, absolutely not. I'm like, oh, what's a... What? What's a? You know? <laughs> I have a double. What is a double? <laughs> oh, okay. This person has. You know, I. Oh my gosh! Could you imagine? I could not imagine. I couldn't imagine. No, I mean, I. I doubt it would have. Like, you know, mm-hmm. why would somebody hand over a job that scale to someone who has no experience? <laughs> exactly. But yeah. It's just. Or anything. It just. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's worth just thinking about. Like, it is it is good to just take those steps that are necessary to get, you know, to get the experience. Absolutely, absolutely. Now let's chat a little bit about some of the projects that you've done since your beginnings, and let I want to know a couple of um favorites that you've had and why. Okay, got it. I got a couple of favorites. Oh my gosh, I worked on a you know quite a few. Oh gosh, good ones. Goodness. I can say I start with the fun one. It was mm-hmm. a, it was a TLC movie. You know the the girl group TLC. Of course. Okay, so VH1 did a biopic about their life and creating TLC had amazing hairstyles, fashion, like wardrobes, makeup, all of that. Okay, so I was hired as a department head for uh, that movie and. When I tell you, it was so fun and so creative and just having like a rock star team. I would say that was like one of like a a very exhausting project. However, Mm. you didn't feel exhausted because the the momentum was pumping because of the music and that and the girls, you know, getting into a place. And it's just it was just so it was really, really, really fun. And I love the look of the girls like after we finished it, the girls and guys just recreating all of those looks. I loved it. And then we have um, Bad Boys. I loved working on Bad Boys. That was another project. <laughs> oh my gosh. I had an um, that trailer when I tell you, like, uh, to this day, that was like one of the best trailers that I've ever worked in. And we had every, the harmony was just amazing. Will Smith, his 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 barber Pierce. Oh my gosh, Mikey mm-hmm. Tracy, um, Victor, my other barber. Like we had just like a team and we were just creating all of these, you know, looks and the haircuts and the music. Oh my gosh. If we, if my trailer had a soundtrack, I think we would, we would have a Grammy. <laughs> oh my gosh it was amazing but you know also to just you know once again stepping in like for creating the the games and you know the actors like for their just taking them in different looks um i loved uh working on on bad boys and of course mayor of east town was actually a good one it took me what can i say I, i really like creating real characters people that feel real yeah. That was an amazing project to to do that because you know a little bit better with you know showing things on Instagram and all of that social media for the, the transformations mm-hmm. that were done. 
Mm. But there were so many transformations that you wouldn't even know. Like um, and one of the young ladies, she had, her name is Ruby. And the like, character was Jessica. And she's a brunette. But we took her to like more of a golden, like golden tone. But to look like her mm-hmm. mother, her probably like was an aspiring hairstylist. And it goes through that red orange phase with growth, mm-hmm. would grow out. So it was making her look like she almost like kind of had like a home done color job. But because her mom's a hairstylist and tried like all these different things on her hair. So yeah. transforming her from there. And Gari, the play Shabon. When I met her, her hair was down her back, maybe a level, mm-hmm. level seven. And I cut all her hair off and shaved the sides and created that asymmetrical uh, undercut bob for her, which took her to a total different place for any of her characters, for any of her shows. But it was like an amazing, great transformation for her. And it was super fun. Even when I met Evan, Evan's hair was down his back. <laughs> and yeah. and to give him a boyish look, you know, boyish like haircut look and all of this for his character. So it was so many like cool, different, you know, things that we did. Jean Smart, she just left from Beauty World from being on Watchmen and getting the wigs made for uh, a lot of the people. It was just, you know, amazing because she she wanted to look like that grandmother that's at home, old Irish roots. Mm. And, yeah. and you know, wants to look, you know, just naturally undone. Like, okay, maybe she puts little curls on her hair on her church day. So you'll see her with the little tighter rolls and the curls and the little bangs when she tried to spruce it up for herself for her church days and all of that. So it was great. And then, you know, working with Ivana, she's amazing. And she, mm-hmm. um, you know, built out that amazing, you know, wig for for Kate. It was, you know, I had a great uh, rock star team for that project. Yeah, it would have been, would have been nice to watch Ivana work, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, Ivana, she's amazing at what she does. And fast forward to, you know, Matrix. That was just like, pinch me, am I dreaming? And what just happened? (laughs) (laughs) Wow, you know, to get a phone call from Flora, well, actually an email from Flora, and um, from Flora Moody. And, you know, I was referred to her from Ivana because we met on Mayor of Easttown. So, you know, getting that call to be a, a part of her team was you know you know a true blessing i was like oh my gosh because that was my first time working abroad yeah where did you guys go we were in berlin in germany amazing yeah so that was my first time working abroad and then (laughs) flora gave me the assignment of making the wig for niobe and i was like what (laughs) making the wig for her i was like well (laughs) we can call a couple of you know wig makers i know and do amazing she's like no you can do it I was like, oh, okay, I can do it. <laughs> and it turned out beautiful, you know, with the help of Andrew and Kashaya Cash. So that was an amazing, amazing thing. And it, you know, of course, you know, shot during the COVID, you know, lockdown and all of that while the states were locked down, we were working. So it was a fortunate time. It was hard. Did it like stop? Like they started shooting and then did they go into lockdown and then start back up again? Or? Yeah, yeah. So they shot a portion in, um, you know, a portion in San, San Francisco. 
And uh, oh, yeah, 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 Floor yeah. was out there. I wasn't a part of that team. It was when um, they went back in. That's when I was a part of her team. Yeah, so they shot it. I think it was like a couple of weeks or something. I don't know. But at the time, they were in San Francisco. But yeah, they did shut down because of COVID and then came back. That's very cool. I'm yet to see the film, but I think we're going to go see it this week. So yeah, looking forward to it. Sure. I mean, it's it's been a it's on pause for a long time. So mm-hmm. I I almost feel like I need to watch the other films maybe oh you have to, to. myself back in into the <laughs> matrix <laughs> yeah you have to i mean i've watched them over and over before i left i was like okay sit down and watch the matrix all right does it does it make sense to you Shanique? okay watch it again you know and then while i was there like before it before it went to the theaters i i watched all of them over again just to you know to to watch the, the matrix resurrections I'm just, you know, super proud of like how it looks. Flora, she she designed she she designed some amazing looks and I, you know, very, very happy what came across, you know, the screen. Amazing. That's so cool. Yeah, I look forward to seeing it. I mean, I've seen images and stuff from it, so mm-hmm. um it looks cool. Yeah. I'm Absolutely. To see it. And it must have been um fun working on something with so much action. Oh my gosh, it was because I would say that one of my first like action-ish type of movies was, you know, Bad Boys. I've done other movies mm-hmm. that, you know, have fighting and explosions and all this other stuff. But, you know, for that one, it was just like so surreal, like just looking at all of them. It was just a lot of good stuff. I was I was actually very impressed and just still in awe. It's almost every time like when I do a great project, I just walk in there like the the newest kid on the block. Like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. <laughs> you know? <laughs> wow, am I really a part of this? Oh gosh, they asked me. Oh, <laughs> I'm always amazed. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, you don't want to lose that. <laughs> I think once you stop feeling like that, you're just, it's like you're over it. You're over it. Okay, uh, exactly. Yeah. So over it. So that's awesome. And you also worked on Atlanta. Yes, Atlanta. Atlanta is my heart. That's mm-hmm. one of my favorite, favorite projects to be a part of. If Atlanta ends and starts back in another 30 years, I'll be like, I'll do it on my cane, you know? <laughs> I got you. I'll do it. No, but I love Atlanta. The the cast, oh my gosh, working with Donald, working with Zossie, Brian, Tyree Henry. I'm actually working with him right now on the project. Lakeith, oh my gosh, those are I love them dearly so much as people, but also too about the true artists that they are. And it's funny because I've been with the show Atlanta since the pilot. So yeah. <laughs> in my mind, when I accepted it and, you know, thankful, uh, thankful to the producer that hired me. Thanks, Alex, for <laughs> hey, um, <laughs> we've been, you know, done so much stuff together from independence to all of this. But to make a long story short, when I got the script, I'm like, oh, OK. So I'm thinking that it's about like Atlanta. I live in Atlanta. And as I got deeper into the scripts, I was like, oh, no, these are stories within a show. Oh, there's not really no really like true continuity to it. It's, you know, we... We create our thing for each episode. And I'm like, oh my gosh, mm-hmm. this is amazing. And then the topics that they spoke about. And then I remember like for me, just once again, creating that character. So I said, I want them to feel real, not overdone. Yeah. Um, like perfect example in the first season, Zazie wakes up, you know, she, she wakes up, she's getting ready for work. 
she takes off her head, um, her head wrap, and she has Bantu knots mm-hmm. underneath the, the head wrap, right? Mm-hmm. So this is a part of something like, and during that time, you didn't see that on too many shows at all. Yeah. But that was something that stood out because people were like, man, this is so real because a lot of, you know, girls that have like the super curly hair, you know, they'll twist it up, braid it up, take it out, you know, to create these, you know, so they can have like a cute look with their natural texture. And they was like, this is so real. Yeah. She just had a night with her, you know, her guy. She gets up like whatever, takes off this thing and starts unraveling her Bantu knot. And so with that show, I wanted it to feel just like real to each person and as you grow with them from season to season to season so it was um that's definitely one of my heartbeats of my show you know what now the soundtrack to that trailer is amazing too (laughs) 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 we have some good music on that trailer so i i don't know i might have to put competition between bad boys and atlanta for having one of the best soundtracks That's awesome. I was going to say, it's. It, I mean, it's nice that you were allowed to create those looks mm-hmm. that were real mm-hmm. because I, I feel like there's times where even with period stuff, like when you are doing things and you have, like, as you say, a woman waking up in the morning and she would have rollers in her hair yes. or she would have this or that going on and you would present that to the director and they'd be like, oh yeah no that doesn't look cute yeah like, but no, but <laughs> so then they you. they ask you to come up with something mm-hmm. else and it's just like but that's not how it would have been okay fine we'll keep it hollywood whatever yeah so it is nice to get on those jobs where trying to keep it real is mm-hmm. encouraged yeah um because it just it feels good yeah i mean it's always nice to do the glamorous not a hair out of place yeah look but i always I don't know. I, I get more satisfaction out of real right? getting real. Me too. Yeah, I realize like that's fun. my favorite as well. My that's my favorite. Like I'm like, give me a project any day that you know for creating like these real characters. Like oh my gosh, this is I like. It. I love it. I just absolutely love it. Even if you're taking someone and making them look something totally different, but it's still a realistic character. Mm. It's I just love yeah. it. Absolutely, that's fun. Now. Out of all your projects, what would you say would have been maybe the most challenging? The most challenging one. I would say like, I think I spoke about it earlier. It was probably like my first one, but it was very gratifying, you know, because of not, you know, knowing everything and just, you know, just going, 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 going. And it just it just not knowing, just being very naive to everything. But it, I look back on, I was like, oh my gosh, that was challenging. And then uh, currently, I'm on a on a project that you know we're still filming it right now. But it's mm-hmm. um, as you know, it, this with past, present, and future, and you know just you know going back. And sometimes it can be you know challenging when you're switching over directors and styles and all of that. So you know being that person to make sure that there's balance between all of the worlds yeah i mean you got to have all of that yeah. information in your head don't you yeah. you're, the, you're the go-to person for mm-hmm. <laughs> absolutely for it all and it could be have this challenging moments for the switches and it's being like okay i hear you i hear you i hear you <laughs> all right and <laughs> here we go and then it's like then all of a sudden this one little person comes in and it's like no and then everything blows up and it's like, okay, let's go back from ground zero. So I would say like, it, it, was like, it was like a few little challenges now, 
However, it's, you know, it's definitely building to work out. And it's not more so of like challenges for my department. It's more so challenging for time and expectations, if that makes sense. Yeah. And yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So that's, you know, that and but you know, between those two and maybe when we end this podcast, I'm like, oh my gosh, I forgot to mention that one. You know, how <laughs> I think about a project that was like, you know, really put me on my butt. And um, No, you, oh, well, if, <laughs> if it did really put you on your butt, you may have blocked it out because it was a traumatic experience. Well, traumatic. So you've just forgotten about it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But I think every... Yeah, every project brings its challenges, mm-hmm. but um, and they're all very, very different, as you say. So, and most of the time, you come out the other end being grateful for those challenges because they've helped you grow. So, yeah, absolutely, definitely, that's does. awesome. Definitely does. So now that you are doing more department heading and designing, how do you feel you kind of got to that point of just knowing how to do it? Because I mean, it's not like you kind of go to school to learn how to be a department head. I mean, there's just not very much out there. I Mm -hmm. guess it is it is just experience, right? I mean, yes. just for those who are maybe in a third position at the moment and thinking, wanting to move up to key and then key to department head, I guess what kind of insight and advice and stuff could you give to somebody in that position? How to learn? Okay. So actually you just, you know, pretty much broken down to, you know, what it takes you know, to be a good department head. You know, my thing is I always tell someone is that you have to be a great day player in order to be a great bird, be an amazing mm-hmm. bird to be an outstanding key. <laughs> and once you're in that key position, be the best key that you can possibly be. Cause the key has the hat of like a department head as well. But they just don't have to deal with all of the higher ups and the questions and the answers and like all of this other stuff and the designing part and aspect of it. So in that position that, you know, stay there for, you know, a minute and soak up as much information, you know, as possible. Because like you said, this is not like in textbooks, like this is what you do and this is how it goes. Because you can read it. If, if it was in a textbook, you could read it. And then once you had to apply Mm. that knowledge, it's something totally different. So it's, you know, that hands-on experience Mm. so far as balancing personalities, balancing, you know, your work ethic, your timing, speed, you know, the listening skills, all of this stuff that develops, you know, for in order to be like the great leader for the whole, you know, the team. So with that being said, it's just for me, when I was in those positions, I looked, I learned from others' strengths, weaknesses, good habits, bad habits, all of those things. And it's like, oh, I don't want to do that. Okay. (laughs) You know, or, okay, let me, you know, I'll I'll pick up on this. And learning, you know, from people and and not having an ego helped develop Mm -hmm. each stage for me, for, for, for when I was a day player to a third to a key and now you know department heading and I've been department heading you know for some for some years and mm-hmm. it's in and developing those you know like great relationships with my producers and stuff and it's not just like oh yeah we had cocktails this evening and did this and the other it's not that it's about the work ethic what do you do to you yeah. know to, to lead your team and what do you do to help them develop to be the best day player third key to be in the position that we're in. Uh, to be honest with you, I don't want to be a hundred years old and I'm department heading this project. You know, 
<laughs> you know, there's a time yeah. where you have to, you know, pass it on. Trust, trust whoever you do have under you to be like, oh, okay, because you can't do all the projects that's out there. You can't. No. You can get calls. You can get a call to do five projects, but you can only do one. Or you might not be able to do one because you're attached to something else. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, you know, thinking about those that are under us to develop them to be the best that they can. Take courses. Talk to the veterans in the industry. There are so many new people in the industry that kind of like know it all to look where they know nothing at all. You know, if you, you can have the skill, but there's always different ways to to do something. So just taking the opportunity and interviewing, I'll always just tell the people that are like day players, thirds and keys to ask questions. Look, don't be afraid. Don't be, you know, timid around it or feel weird because you feel like you don't know something and you're working with these people. Because sometimes people can make you look, you know, feel a certain way. And if they do, so be it. (laughs) You want to learn. Yeah. And it's always, I think, I mean, I'm always like that as well. It's just like, guys, if you don't know anything, ask. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do the same thing. If I don't know how to do something, I'm going to ask you guys. Mm -hmm. Like, because it's better to just put yourself out there and ask the question, like, I don't know how to do this. Like, how, how, what's, what do you think the best way is to get this done? Then sometimes fumbling your way through it or just not even doing it. Mm -hmm. And then coming up against that conversation of like, what happened? Oh, I didn't know how to do it. Oh, um, why didn't you ask? Didn't you ask? Yeah. <laughs> just, yeah, just ask. It's, okay. it's always, that's a way more, I don't know, uncomfortable conversation than just asking in the first place. Absolutely. So the conversation of why didn't you just ask mm-hmm. is, is far worse than just asking. So <laughs> it is, it is, it is. It absolutely is. I totally agree. So what do you look for in your team members when you're putting putting your crew together? I look for people that have like a good diverse hand. I like the diversity, good listeners. I, of course, you know, I check out their skill set, set etiquette, <laughs> definitely, and personality. And then and I can work with a good team that have, there are good listeners, checking out everybody doesn't have to have the same personality, but you also have to know like they have mm. a good personality that can fit with my cast and mm-hmm. you know like okay this person is great with this one this one is good with this one okay look at the skills to send the other so these are you know big things that I look for and then also to um you know team players because a lot of times when we're doing projects everything is not always just sweet as pie what should I say so mm-hmm. you look for that team that knows how to get in there and go let's run with it you know yeah. I tend not to gravitate to like, you know, complainers if we're complaining too much and like, okay, come on. You know, we're not we can't move forward by complaining. We just have to, you know, figure it out. Let's go. Misery loves company. Yeah, yeah. I like no Eeyores, <laughs> no Eeyores on the team. Please, no. No, take your umbrella in the rain. Please. <laughs> go to the corner. <laughs> Please. Oh my god. Oh no, we can't so have funny. it. No. <laughs> yeah. We have to do too much for that. I can't. I'm like, okay, I can't be a therapist right now. But we do, you know, uplift one another for the most mm-hmm. part. That's, you know, the you know, the key things that I do look in for my team. And, and I, you know, just a, a big part of it is, I, I can't say it more, like the more I'm telling you, is just like a lot of, like I said, the skill set and good listening skills. Yeah. And then also to no, the, it's work, important. Yeah, and the, yeah. the work ethic. And then also too, I love a genuine team, an honest team. So it's okay. You can mm-hmm. tell me something that you might think that I, want, I don't want to hear, 
but it's it's okay. You know, I come as an open mm. book because at the end of the day, my journey into this industry was not like a lot of other people's story, right? So it's like developed as you know as I went. But then also to, you know, mm-hmm. search deeper and took, you know, different courses to develop my, you know, my strengths for where I am now. So with my team, it's just like, you know, we you're only strong as your team. I look for those things in them because, you know, that's where our strength, our strength comes from. And then it's not all about me. It's not all about me. It's not all about the other person. It's about us. What what do we do? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love that. I mean, yeah, it is a team effort. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. Yeah. I'd rather work with, you know, hairstylists in the industry. They got their vision and want to do it. And, you know, their skill set might not be as strong as some great hairdressers with horrible attitudes. I just can't. You know, mm. It just, it, it, it hurts me. I'm like, oh gosh, <laughs> you're wonderful, but oh yeah. my gosh, you're going to tear us down. No. Yeah. <laughs> no. Well, it is that thing. It's just like if your skills aren't quite up there, it's just that like you know that you can work on those. Yeah, but if it. someone's attitude is just rotten, it's just like, oh, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I can't teach you how to be. <laughs> yeah. Can't teach you that. <laughs> how to be more positive. Exactly. That's got to come from within. <laughs> like, let's get her some tea. You need some chamomile tea? <laughs> <laughs> Tea time. Oh, <laughs> oh guys. So you've done quite a few different projects. Yes. What what kind of project have you not worked on that you would like to? You know what? I would like to work on like some type of, you know, whimsical, like fairy tale-ish type of um, like a fantasy yeah, type. Very, very yes, fantasy. That will be fun. And yeah, so that's something that I have not worked on. Um, you know, been tapping into more of like, you know, your sci-fi. I love dramas. Mm-hmm. I love dramas. Mystery movies. Mm. That's like something like my favorite because I'm not only like the scripts are so engaging. I'm just like, oh my gosh, I just love it. <laughs> but definitely doing like a, a fantasy, I would love to do. Oh, yeah. I mean, so creative, especially like if you're having the opportunity to create like a species or a race or like different different people from different planets or like whatever it is that's um coming up with their their own unique looks and stuff so yeah that'd be cool that would be amazing i hope you i hope you get to get the opportunity me too i I think you would um grab it and run with it (laughs) listen i will and one thing is if that definitely comes my way i need prep time <laughs> so if it comes like, oh yeah, here you go, we have something for you. Like, so uh, can I have at least um, a good couple of months? Not not two months. I mean, like six plus months <laughs> to create this. <laughs> I know. Honestly, is. the lack of prep time in oh this my industry is insane. I'm like, what happened? I'm just like, what? It's ridiculous. <laughs> I don't know. Actually, I run. If I ask for, if somebody asks me, and I'm like, okay, what does it start? Okay, what does it call for? Oh, oh, oh no! Like you can feel, you can mm. sense that it's going to be, you know, very demanding, and you know, you have to like prepare yourself for any type of like anxiety, and that's what I don't do. So I'll just like, I'm just gonna, you know, step away for a moment, and you know, and just be honest about prep and what it is that they want because it, it can become very stressful and you know wear you down, and I don't want to stress out myself or my team at all. 
Yeah. I mean, I could be wrong in saying this, but just interviewing people from around the world, I do feel like in some other countries they are given more prep time. You know what? Like substantially more yeah. prep time. Yeah. When it comes to some type of, whether it's fantasy or mm-hmm. a period, there just seems to be the respect there yeah. to give them that time that they need to get it where it needs to be and I, I don't quite know what's happened here that everything is constantly so rushed I think it's greed it's, it's I'll, interesting I'll say it <laughs> and you know whoever's there this bit to the other end they're like whatever Shanika you're not working ever again no but you know <laughs> you know I think you know it's just you know it's it's you know it's like a little bit of a greed but maybe now people have to speak up for it if you don't speak up for it mm. in the prep time, then of course, they're like, oh, I didn't know you need that much time. So I think that instead of saying, yeah, sure, we can do it, to be like, well, if you mm. really want this done and done properly, X, Y, Z, it's going to take this many tests to get there because not all the time you're going to create something and it's going to be a hit, you know, it's not yeah. going to be a hit. It may take two or three times for it to be like, everybody loves it from the cast to the directors to the producers. So many people that they have their hands into, you know, these looks. So I just feel like once the department head, the designer is hired, just be like, oh, okay, great. We can do this. It's a demand. Like all of our wig makers are pretty much, their books are filled with making wigs mm. for people. So therefore, if, you know, you call them like, oh yeah, I want to create this crazy black, white, red, purple wig, you know, with so many textures in this and the other mm. and blend it a certain way. And then you, you reach out to all your go-to wig makers that are like books. So it's like, okay, finally found somebody, but it's going to take eight weeks, 12 weeks or whatever to build this out. But they're like, oh yeah, but the project, you know, we're going to start shooting mm. in five weeks well, what can you do? Mm. You know, so it's just like, and then that takes a lot of time for thinking of the alternate to what you know, what you would love to do. So we're like compromising our our art a little bit because of time demands or should I say hiring at the last minute or building these things that are like very demanding. So I think it's just like a big discussion that needs to come to the table. They managed to hire their costume designers quite early on. Oh, yeah. It, it surprises me that they're not thinking at that point to look at hair and makeup. It seems to be like the month before where they start shooting, it's like, oh, we better get a hair person yeah. or a makeup artist. We better get our hair and makeup team mm-hmm. together. And sometimes, I mean, that's completely fine. If it's just a contemporary, contemporary yeah. straightforward look, then great. And, I mean, also sometimes – you know, I've been up against it because the casting has been so delayed yes. and so slow. So it's just like, well, you can't even do anything until you've actually got a cast member to kind of start having those conversations mm-hmm. and working out what direction you're going to go in in the first place. So yeah. even if you were hired two months out, but they don't have cast, then it's kind of like, well. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So that's where we're definitely we're like kind of going through that now. So, but I think it's after it's break. <laughs> like, I think we're gonna be on a you know a better road right now. Hopefully, prayfully, we are. Yeah, I mean, it's all swings and roundabouts, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. You go from one show that it's 
smooth mm-hmm. sailing and everything's sorted out to the next one that's absolute insanity and you're like oh my god does anybody know what they're doing <laughs> 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 this is a crazy ride i'm just gonna hold on and go, go with, with it, it. <laughs> you know it doesn't last forever so the next one may be a little calmer <laughs> yes 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 absolutely Absolutely. So when you are prepping for something that you need to do a bit of research on, what are some of your favorite sources of research? I go to, of course, you know, like the internet, number one. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. I'm a lover of the library. I do love, um, I've been collecting, going to the flea market and to like the antique stores and collecting like the old time magazines and everything so I can have plenty of research for looks okay. and I've been buying like mm-hmm. old yearbooks and stuff from like different cities and states mm-hmm. wherever I go to in different countries. I love that. I've also like when the, for, for research, whenever I read a script, I kind of like dive in and just wrap my brain or, around what it is that it's, what it needs. And I go yeah. to, I, I log and I go into um, looking at like each town, each city. And the internet has definitely been my you know friend for that. I'm able to mm. pull a lot of images. And then once I find out different stuff, I narrow it down to like a specific state, like perfect example, mayor of East town. Mm. I was able to sit back and look up images of this area. It's a city called media, media, Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, Philly has its different looks, but I was able just to go dive deeper into the hometowns. And then sometimes if I get the opportunity, I just like to go around and talk to different people's families. Yeah. Yeah. I think that thing from when I was a child being an investigator, it pops up. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's never left, Jamie. It's never left. That little girl is still here. She's going to find out. That's so cool. I love it. Yeah, it definitely putting your um research mm-hmm. mind to into action and and gathering yeah all the facts. All the facts, <laughs> absolutely. So I think that's why I like a lot of I love dramas and and stuff like that because I, I you know you can dig deeper in that when you go into like avant garde stuff then you know that's cool you know to look up like hair shows and all of this stuff uh, Pinterest you mm-hmm. know Pinterest is you know we love Pinterest to pull images but that's the big part of my research yeah that's very cool another thing that I noticed the last oh, it's been a while since I've been to the flea market just with the whole COVID situation mm-hmm. but the last time I went to the Long Beach one there was one guy who I don't know where he got this from it was kind of gave me the heebie-jeebies a little bit like freaked me out because it was just family's photo albums and family's yes. photos and it's just like yeah. where do they get this stuff yeah. from but of course I mean there's going to be an end of a line for stuff like that at some point with people's families but looking through these photo albums yeah. and actually you know that people have taken the time to write the date yes. and stuff like that and it's just these real images mm-hmm. of there was this guy had a lot of like 60s 70s 80s definitely a lot of 80s stuff but just you know like the daughter's birthday party or you know this wedding or just the family holiday and just seeing the fashion and the hairstyles and everything it was very cool but there was something that I couldn't quite bring myself to like purchase people's old family photos (laughs) but I should get over that because it is actually really 
It's great. Really cool. Yeah. But it's weird at the same time. Berlin had, um, that was one of my favorite markets. Um, I would go every Saturday and Sunday. If I didn't make it on Saturday, I would go to the um, markets on Sunday and Prince Flowerberg. And oh my gosh, that was like my outing that I miss it to this day. I really like, I want to go back and just Mm -hmm. hang out. (laughs) <laughs> and go there but I uh, there was a vendor there that had the same thing and his were like dated late 1800s yeah early, like that's right <laughs> like, so cool. it was crazy and so um, our steel photographer Maddie we would go together with him I would um, hang out with him and his family and his thing was to get those little small pocket photo albums Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. In each country that he he, he goes to, because he finds like good images. And I thought, and I was like, of course, that's such a great still photographer type of deal, you know, to see this thing, to see the photography from back then. And it was, I never forget, he showed me this one book, and I was like, oh my gosh, like to see the film that it was on. Then you had to hold some things up to the light to see true images. Crazy stuff, crazy stuff. So I was like, I I love it. And then it's just like, that's awesome. It's some of the best. So I just try to, whenever I go out, I think about each kind of like little era from if it's like early 1800s, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever I can get my hands on. And I just kind of collect it up. But I don't want to be a hoarder, you know, when you come to my house, like, what is all this stuff? I know. It's like, it's a, it's a fine line, yes. isn't it? Because when I was, where was I? In Budapest, mm-hmm. in Hungary, and went to the flea market. It was so incredibly quiet. I don't know mm-hmm. whether it was just open every day or what it was. But there was a big, fat, heavy photo album that had, yeah, it would have been like, oh, I don't know, around... I would say 1880 mm-hmm. around wow. know, portraiture. And I still, to this day, it's one of those regrets of not buying wow. it. But I just looked at it. I was like, how's that going to get in my suitcase? Like, <laughs> it's like, I should have just posted it back to myself. But it was just like, I still, to this day, I can visually remember it so clearly. And I don't know why I walked away from it, yeah. but I wish I'd bought it because the, the portraits in it with the women with their their hairstyles and stuff it was so beautiful but of course the album was starting to fall apart and it was just like I was like where am I gonna put that and how am I gonna get it home and you know I think back that I have the answers for all those questions but um, never mind Maybe it'll still be there when I go back to Budapest sometime. You never know. You never know. (laughs) Somebody else is thinking like, nah, this is too heavy to take. (laughs) Exactly. Like, hello, Judy. (laughs) So what I would like to know, and something I ask everybody, is what one tool or product would you never want to be without? Okay. Are you ready? Mm -hmm. My nails are my tools. (laughs) Oh my goodness. This is not one that I've heard before and I love it. <laughs> yes, my nails. Oh my gosh. I I have to show you pictures, send you pictures of my nails and I get like cool like art design and stuff on them. This has been my thing since the very first day. Like I've always had nails and I realized mm-hmm. that they're my styling tools. I tried to go one time without them and I was like, yeah, you know, give them a breather or whatnot. And I was like burning my fingertips. I was, you know, I realized that, you know, I will hold the, the tip of the culinary sometimes with them or, you know, like say for instance, like especially men, like the short cropped haircuts or curls mm-hmm. and everything. Like I'm able to maneuver hair really well with my nails. 
So which means I have the driest hands in the world that feel like cardboard. I feel sorry for my future spouse because they're going to have someone with hard hands because I'm constantly <laughs> washing them and um, scrubbing them down and using all the alcohol and stuff. But my, my nails are my tools. I guess there is the extension of your fingers, Absolutely. right? Like, so you're sectioning with them sectioning and everything, you name it, taking our rubber bands, yeah. you know, like sometimes you can't get that little rubber band. So you got to grab something to go underneath it. But I can do it all. <laughs> the most tedious things are like, oh, let's just get that one little hair. Is they're just my tool. They're like a rat tail comb. You know, you use me. That's awesome. A pin tail comb. Yep, that's me. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. I do, I have this bass baby brush. That's mm-hmm. one of my favorite ones too. With the boy. Okay. Soft and, nice. you know, it just kind of smooths when I need certain things. And it, outside of my, my favorite, favorite tool are my nails, but of course, a Mason Pearson. <laughs> nice. Yeah. yeah. And so far <laughs> is my go-to product. It is White Sands Liquid Texture Medium Hold. I I had never, in New Zealand, mm-hmm. there are probably about a quarter of the amount of hair products available mm-hmm. to you than over here like there's so much hair product mm-hmm. when I first got here I was just like what is all this yes yeah, and just found it incredibly overwhelming because yeah. I was just like oh my god there's so many different product lines mm-hmm. but the white sands is something that so many people that I've worked with have yeah requested like can we get some white sands I'm like okay okay yeah what is it I still to this day have not really used it mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm feeling mm-hmm. bad <laughs> because it no mm-hmm. it, it seems to be a really a standard product that a go-to for people in their kits so, yeah I yeah. love it and like I said it's the medium hold the liquid texture and it's a way like you know depending on how you mist it over the hair brush it through let it naturally you know, dry mm-hmm. into the hair and then create your curls or create your whatever movement that you want to do you can mist it in damp hair depending on what the style is going to be and you know leave it like that for me i just love it because just depending like sparingly how you use it Mm. that it will hold your your curl and or your texture whatever your movement you want to do and it's able to move it's Mm. not crunchy it's not and i use it on all textures of hair so whether it's more european hair more ethnic hair like this it doesn't matter all across the board all across the board it works super versatile very versatile yeah like i say, it just depends on how you use it and then i love shu umara the essence absolute hair oil and cream that's one of my favorites it smells really good too hopefully i pronounce the name right i'm a little southern so sometimes it comes out a little different <laughs> not a little southern very southern <laughs> i move around and you know pick up, awesome. picks up accents everywhere i go that's cool <laughs> and then i have a favorite hairspray which is mm-hmm. the paul mitchell clean hairspray and it's okay. called the red top and it's just you know once again one of those things that's been out forever and i just love it i like it yeah it's good when you find a hairspray you like yeah and then for like molding things and Nairobi wrap foam. So I just have like a couple of like, you know, favorite go-to. Yep. Yeah, we've all got them. Mm -hmm. It's good. And who would you like to hear on the podcast? Well, you've interviewed quite a few of like some of my favorite people. 
<laughs> from Carol Rashid, Lawrence Davis, yeah. you know, um, Pilsner, bless his soul. And it's not here anymore. And you've had Flora on there, Ivana, um, Debbie Young. Debbie Young? Mm-hmm. Did you interview her as well? Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know. I haven't. No, I haven't in, interviewed Debbie Young. Yeah. So um, I don't know Debbie. What does Debbie do? She's a hairstylist. She's makeup. She's makeup. Uh, she's okay, cool. Watchman, and she was on uh, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. I met her when I was working on House of Cards, and mm-hmm. I was like, "This woman is really amazing and has an amazing spirit, and just so good and calming and great at what she does." She works a lot with Mahershala. Ali. Oh, awesome. She works with him a lot. And she's just an amazing, amazing artist. And we did um, Mayor of Easttown. She was the makeup department head and designer for Mary. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Yay. She's amazing. I love how I've gone from feeling like I know absolutely nobody in this industry to then doing this podcast and hearing about all these incredible artists. I love it. Yeah. It's exciting. Wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So many great people. I was like, oh my gosh, you've interviewed so many amazing amazing hair designers and makeup designers and i'm just you know thankful that i got a chance to be interviewed too well shanika it's been so awesome chatting with you today i've really enjoyed it so thank you very much oh you're so welcome it's my pleasure For links to see more about our guests, go to our Instagram at The Last Looks Podcast or our website, thelastlookspodcast.com. If you want to keep up with new episodes being released, be sure to subscribe through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, Google Play, YouTube, or any podcast streaming platform. And remember, if you're enjoying the show, share it. The Last Looks Podcast would like to thank Brett Stanley and Sabrina Castro. The song Fun Time by DJ Quads. Thanks for listening. Until next time. That's a wrap, people.